I will tell you that um, if you're a marketer today, you are a revenue marketer. You're listening to the Flip My Funnel podcast, a daily podcast dedicated to helping B2B marketing, sales, and customer success professionals become masters of their craft. It's Thursday, and in these episodes, we focus on one of two things. We'll either be sharing one of our favorite and most actionable talks from a Flip My Funnel event, or you'll hear Sangram and someone from the Terminus team discuss how they're getting better in a specific functional area of Terminus's business. And remember, like Sangram always says, without a community, you are simply a commodity. Here we go. Sangram here. I'm super excited for this series for next 10 Thursdays, guys. Next 10 Thursdays, you're going to hear the sessions that were played in Arizona at the B2BMX conference. And the reason is you're going to have a similar set of speakers and have all the great experiences that you're about to get a taste of for the next 10 Thursdays in Boston on August 11th and August 12th. We are joining hands with B2BMX and Petovitz Group and Terminus and Flip My Funnel. All of us are coming together and doing this big industry conference where marketing sales are coming together as one team and going to talk about phenomenal results that you and your organization can get. So I hope to see you in Boston on August 11th and 12th. And here's a sneak peek of the type of sessions you can expect at this conference. So here you go. This will be a very interactive session. I'm hoping to get a lot of questions from the audience to, to our panel. Um, but I'm going to start off and you know kind of go down. And, and the, the question I have is maybe uh, for you, and, and the panel here to describe what RevOps means in your organization. Mm-hmm. Yep, so good morning, uh, good afternoon everyone. My name is Yun Fan. I manage marketing operation and data science team at Centrify. A little bit of background about our company. We are a cybersecurity company. We provide privilege access management for corporation. And uh, we are a private company. Last year, August, we were acquired by a private equity firm, Tama Brava. If you know this P firm, you know that they are very revenue-driven, very EBITDA-focused. So back to that time, we realized, okay, it is very important and very efficient to have a single source of truth. Every time when we're sitting in the meeting, we them talking about our revenue planning. So as a marketing team, uh, we proposed this like a revenue ops concept to our e-staff. And we got a very great support from our CEO, CMO, and uh, head of sales. And as of today, we haven't have officially built our revenue ops <coughs> team yet, um, but we have our revenue ops committee established. We have a representative from marketing ops, sales ops, and a finance team. Speaking of myself, I have statistical background, and I have about like 10 years experience in the analytical role. So I'm responsible responsible for the analytical related project in our committee. And I focus on leverage analytics and data science to provide in-depth business insight, which can drive revenue. So in the past six months, uh, Centrify, we totally transformed our revenue planning process from the siloed department, individual planning, multiple models, and disconnected funnels to one single company-wide revenue planning. 
Um, as of today, we have one revenue, revenue planning model for the whole company, including sales partner and the sales. Uh, and, the, and also we have one dashboard. We can track our success metrics against the revenue. So we set a North Star. The only thing we need to do right now is just execution, execution, and execution. <laughs> so we will continue to finalize our revenue ops function and uh, we hope someday the revenue ops function can give us um, alignment and the totality. Great, thank you. And Karen? Yes, so good afternoon. Um, I'm with a company called Lean Data. Um, we actually provide a revenue ops platform, but I'm not gonna speak to you today as a vendor. I will tell you that um, if you're a marketer today, you are a revenue marketer. And I think all of you know that. Um, the idea of revenue ops from our point of view, and I think it's something Serious Decisions, who's here at the show, is really starting to follow now, is there's a whole emerging category of revenue operations. Many of you have held marketing ops roles or sales ops roles, but the combination of bringing those things together into one true revenue team and a revenue ops role, in some cases rolling up to a CRO uh, or a different function to really with the purpose of guiding revenue planning and execution around your go-to-market strategy for the business and analytics. As uh, you just heard, uh, you know, data is critical to this. Uh, so we provide a lot of products and solutions that help companies do that. Um, but it's, it's, a, it's a truly exciting time to be, I think, a marketer in the revenue world. Uh, and revenue operations is really bringing these silos together and helping companies drive revenue strategy from planning, execution, and analytics. Um, and uh, excited to be on the panel with this group of people today. Awesome. Thank you. Um, so my name is Jocelyn Brown and I work at Alicadia. Um, we do have a platform that supports marketers uh, in to sort of plan strategically, invest wisely, and then uh, measure their impact. So certainly uh, it's very much about marketing's alignment with finance, which probably makes me sensitive to that particular alignment. Uh, but in terms of being on the, the panel in, um, in the fall, I actually, so my software career is in customer success. Um, at Alicadia, we have a very, um, we have a strong sort of land and expand, come and try and then uh, grow with us as you can, as you can kind of take on the capacity for that. Um, so we've always had a lot of revenue focus in, within customer uh, success, and that's always been a big part of my job. But I, I took over marketing sales and partner in the fall as well. Uh, and I took that opportunity to kind of make my operations team agnostic. It does not matter to me. Uh, what the data is representing, customer prospect. It does not matter to me the source of the revenue. I mean, it does, but um, I want them all to be treated equal. I don't want the operations team to have any one horse in the race. I want them to be making good decisions for the business. Uh, so I had an opportunity to put my operations function inside of our finance team. I had a willing uh, VP of finance who really wanted to extend into operations. Um, she owns the business model, which is who I want to understand my business and help me drive it. So it was just a very uh, obvious opportunity for me to get uh, the best possible support to drive decision making by having it be one rather than siloed um, and, and with a bias towards one particular outcome over another. Hello, everyone. I'm Laura Patterson, and I'm with Vision Edge Marketing. 
I think what's more, most important, besides being with Vision Edge Marketing, is that I spent 20 years on the B2B side in the corporate world in marketing ops as a marketing scientist with roles in and out of P&L and, and uh, sales responsibilities. So I'll kind of have a nice big picture. BEM will be 20 years old in June, so uh, it's been a really interesting ride. But what I love about the work we do is that we get to spend a lot of time with the C-suite. And so I get to hear conversations with CFOs and CEOs and COOs and, of course, CMOs, because what we do is help our customers use analytics and alignment and accountability and operational excellence in order to accelerate their growth and create customer value and improve marketing performance. So lots of interesting questions occur around that in the C-suite. So I'll probably be the contrarian in the room, and hopefully that will um, inspire inspire you guys to ask some questions and be open to some, you know, different ways of looking at things. That, that's my actual goal for this conversation is to have a conversation and talk a little bit about what is happening and what are the challenges facing the discipline of marketing. I think there are a lot of major challenges right now facing us. Um, there's a lot of data that we've been collecting for 20 years, but aside from our data, the data that's come out from Cantor and Demand Gen and MIT Sloan last year all pretty much say, look, we're not getting this right when it comes to being able to demonstrate marketing's value, impact, and uh, measurability to the organization. And most marketing organizations are still struggling with that. And here we are, well, many, many years into the journey, mm -hmm. right, of measurement and marketing ops, and we're still facing difficulty. So I, th I don't think by calling it revenue ops or anything else is going to change that until we fix the fundamental problem. So I think whether we call it revenue ops, marketing ops, sales ops, put them together, take them apart till that fundamental issue gets addressed, moving that around isn't going to make any difference. So that's my contrarian point of view. So I'll, I'll start I, off I don't think you. anybody's going to disagree with you on that. <laughs> oh, no, Sorry. I guess they're, they're, you know, what you're saying is you've been collecting data for oh, yeah. 20 some years. Um, you know, there are bigger fundamental problems. Maybe, you know, in your research, what, what do you think is, are some of the fundamental problems maybe we're not aware of? Oh yeah, I, I mean, happy to share with our work and there's others here I know that have done similar work. But for example, we know the magic number seems to be about 20%. If you look at their studies or our studies, really only about 20% of marketing organizations, whether they're B2B or B2C or where they're located in the world, how big they are, what vertical they're in, only about 20% of marketers really know how to do it well. So what are the rest of us doing, right? So I think that's the challenge. So what is it that they do really well? And one of the things that they do really well is they're not really, I mean, of course, we're all about revenue. We're in a capitalistic economy, most of us anyway, and that means we work from supply and demand, and that means marketing is always on the demand side because that's where we fit. We've always been about revenue, right? Nothing has changed there. So here's questions I hear from the C-suite. You guys may hear them. If we make our revenue number, but we're sliding in our position in the category, is that success? If we make our revenue number, but uh, we're losing customers on the other side of the wall, is that success? If we're making our revenue number, but we're not expanding our business inside the customer, even if we're cross-selling and upselling, is that success? And the answer for the CEO is, CFO is, that's not success. So it, uh, I think that is some of the questions that as marketers, we need to be paying attention to. I hope that, does that answer your question? Yeah, it does, it does. Um, and Jocelyn, yeah. so to, to counterbalance this point, 
you you started talking about how you're working together with finance more, mm -hmm. yeah to, and this was an initiative from i guess it sounded like initiated from your one i, I just really like her actually her <laughs> vp of finance just happens to be somebody that's uh entertaining to spend time with and what i realized in spending that time certainly living in the customer success world because for those of you who maybe don't hang out in the rooms where customer success leaders complain um it's always about how can i prove our value to the business how can we make sure it's the same argument that marketers make? How can we make sure that we're viewed as a profit center or as a revenue center and not as a cost center, all those kinds of things? So it's a very similar thing. Um, and what I realized in terms of promoting um, the success within that customer success organization is the better my uh, VP of finance understood the intention of what I was doing and my plans for what I would do if I had more budget or the growth, the better she could defend me when I wasn't in the room. And there's lots of times where uh, scenarios are being played out, uh, CEOs are trying to understand dynamics of a market or otherwise, that I'm not there to uh, kind of give my opinion or, or what's going on. But if my VP of finance, who owns our business model, who owns our planning kind of stuff, if she understands the way I operate, how I'm uh, trying to support that, um, she, can, she can speak on my behalf. So I'm never kind of just cut out because it's convenience. Um, and I think the same goes for marketing. Uh, uh, certainly in, in the work we do with our customers, the better um, your finance organization trusts you as a marketing organization, that you are not just driving revenue, but supporting the company's goals, that you are spending that money with intent and that you are actually stating that it intent and then reporting back on whether you met it or not. And you're having honest conversations about uh, failed experiments and uh, you know happy accidents where you may have an amazing outcome from a from a campaign, but it was totally for a different product line. Like you did not intend that outcome at all. It's a good outcome for the company, but it's a bad outcome for your marketing strategy. So the more upfront you are about that and the more that that finance partner understands it, the more likely when you're not in the room and they're considering uh, a budget cut, uh, they're considering more investment otherwise, the better represented you are. Um, and that, that's sort of how that started and certainly has been um, validated in my, my customer base. What, when I came to own all those functions, it really truly to me was my experience was that somebody got shortchanged in the, in the operational support. And the idea of having a data science team appeals to me greatly. Uh, and I will talk to you about that later. But um, I don't want them to have a bias. It's not to my benefit that somebody's trying to make the numbers speak for marketing's benefit or for sales's benefit or to that. It's to my benefit for them to have a complete view of the company. And again, in the rooms where customer success leaders complain, um, they talk about how the fact that customer data is so terrible. And marketers do as well because it, it, it should be actually a rich source of opportunity. Um, but typically you're dealing with like billing contacts. It's not actually who you want to be talking to. It's all that kind of stuff, right? So your opportunity to leverage that. But if you don't have the same amount of time and effort and intelligence applied to your customer data that you do to your prospect data, you're never going to have the same opportunity, but it, it very often gets shortchanged. So I just, I just wanted to take that out of the mix. Yeah. yeah. So, so just, to, I guess my, another question I would have is yeah. prior to starting this, what were the things you were measuring that you are now measuring? 
like that I weren't, that I wasn't measuring, that I'm now measuring. Like, oh, this was so important for us to measure, and we didn't do this until we took on this. Yeah, this yeah, that's a it's a good question. I would say um, that there's no uh, there's no measurement of success or a program that's only got one dimension. So account based. There's been a lot of sessions on account based stuff, right? Mm-hmm. So. Um, any any uh, dashboard or measurement uh, applied to that is not going to be just about marketing. It's going to have marketing dimensions. It's going to have sales dimensions, and it's actually going to have customer lifetime dimensions as well. So uh, I think it would be more that the it's it's a more rounded view of the way we look at things. Um, I, I've actually probably my customer success side has benefited the, the most. So I think it's a really good point. <laughs> but I kind of wanted to yeah. echo that that what Jocelyn is saying. So one of our key specialties is helping our customers select the right metrics and build dashboards. Yeah. Right. So uh, and which Jocelyn knows because Alakadi and VEM know one another pretty well. Yeah. And when we work with our customers, most of the time when we're working with marketing, you know, they really want to talk about the pipeline. Yeah. Right. But when you're talking to the CFO and the CEO, while they care about the pipeline. They're looking at a much more strategic view of the business. So as marketers, to be successful, they need to think more strategically, too. And so rather than accepting a revenue number, this is where this gets in, can get marketing into trouble. They have a revenue number, but they haven't asked important questions about what markets, what customers, new markets, new customers, existing markets, existing customers, new products, um, existing products, all those basic questions which make up revenue that will then help them determine the right metrics, which things like product adoption rate. If you got a company that's bringing new products to market and they are expecting some portion of their revenue going forward to come from new products, and maybe the future of the company is being, the bet of the future of the company is on products that are coming out of the innovation pipeline. So it's not just revenue, it's really about those products. If the company is making a bet on a market, a big bet on a market, or making a big bet on a customer set, yeah. that's kind of important. And so if you only think about it from the revenue side, then all revenue is good. If you think about it from the business side, that will make you think differently about your metrics and your dashboard. If you're still thinking revenue, of course, bringing customers in, whether new or existing, and selling products and all of those things, all of hopefully will positively yeah, sure. affect revenue, Right. But it's really important. I, you know, I remember in my career, one of the uh, one of the jobs I took in, in my career was in the semiconductor industry, very B two B. For those of you that know that space, mm-hmm. and my job when I came into that company, I joined a startup piece of business there called Microcontrollers, and the man I worked for, who just also came into that his role, basically said, "I want as a marketer, I'm the marketing for, person for the group." He says to me. I want you to convert the world. I want you to listen to this language. I want you to convert the world from four-bit microcontrollers to eight-bit microcontrollers. And I want the two new microcontroller families that we are bringing to market to become industry standards in three years. So he was very clear, right? It wasn't just revenue because we had all kinds of other products. He was very, very clear about what success looked like and what he was expecting as his marketing person, his marketing ops person, I mean, I wore all the hats because we were a small group. There were only 40 of us at the time. And in seven years, we went from a business not making hardly anything to a billion-dollar entity inside the company. And that all had to do with not just thinking about revenue, but thinking about what the success of the organization needed to look like. And those two families became architectural industry standards 
and are still, uh, one of them still a standard today. So I think that says a lot. Yeah. I think some of the points you're bringing up, it's actually a really interesting point um, that finance has been involved in this mm -hmm. from a, from a, with a viewpoint. I'm curious to the, on the audience, because we, you know, oftentimes when we're thinking about alignment, it's always, because of a conference like this, it's always a sales and a marketing alignment. You know, how many people in here, I guess, when you go through planning, have a finance person or the CFO involved in that really planning process to, to talk about it? Raise your hand, because I think that's really critical. Okay, that's... Wow, it's actually that's, really good. Oh, that's a that's a definitely uh, action item. <laughs> yeah, I mean, for I guess the the rest of the folks who are in this, I mean, it's probably a, another perspective that we never think about, right? We're, we're, well, I think living in a PE environment, yeah. Yeah. not sharp in that folks is incredibly for you guys, eh? Right. Yeah, which is a good thing ultimately. Yeah. Yeah. So I'm so curious. What does Tom Bravo want in terms of a dash? You got you talk about this unified <laughs> dash, right? Like what exactly are those things that they're measuring? I'm just curious. So Ryan, can I just interject for a second? Yeah. Is this yeah. a marketing analytics conversation no, no, or is this no, a revenue ops conversation? <laughs> so what did you guys come here to hear about? So um, you know, I think everybody up here has a really good perspective, but how many folks in the room have an operations role? We've raised it. Okay, so not just analytics, but ops. Yeah. So ops is a lot of ops is data, right? Mm -hmm. So whether you're on the sales side or the marketing side, I think the conversation that's happening right now around revenue ops is that there's a centralized planning function happening. Probably finance is involved, of course. Uh, it's around revenue. And then it's around go-to-market strategy to hit that revenue goal which involves sales and marketing. And so having somebody that's sort of the quarterback of that revenue process, which involves data and people and process to hold it all together and to help call the plays, if you will, not to use the sports analogy, but I just did. Um, but I, I think it's, it's a really interesting thing. And what we're seeing um, inside our customer base right now is that in oftentimes, whether it lives in sales or marketing or even customer ops, that those teams are coming together. And they're coming together because they believe to centralize the revenue strategy and process around this thing called revenue ops, it's a really powerful thing because everybody aligns. You hear so much dialogue out there about sales and marketing not being aligned. And it's usually, you know, I don't have enough leads and you didn't follow up on that. What it, at the end of the day, it's all about revenue. The only metric that matters to any business, whether you're PE owned or not, is revenue. And so I think the idea that there will be a foundational operational role inside of businesses, if you heard Sirius's decision, uh, Sirius Decisions webinar this morning, they're seeing a huge rise in the, just the titles on LinkedIn of people that are now director of revenue ops. Yep. They're seeing people now, you know, more than CSOs, they're seeing more director of revenue ops because I think people realize that bringing these functions together and having one common thread for revenue is what B2B companies need to be successful. So, so Karen, to, to this point, in your organization, you know, or folks going through it right now, at which point do you recognize or do you, what are the signs that you recognize I need to solidify this function or bring someone in or like at which point does that happen? Yeah, so I we're a hundred-ish person company, so I'm not sure we're a great example. We do have a director of revenue ops, and I think it was it was, I mean, obviously we have to walk the walk and talk the talk because we sell a platform that helps companies, you know, deliver revenue ops performance. But 
I would say that most of the companies we deal with, they typically either have a very strong marketing ops function or a sales ops function that leads the charge to bring it all together. Because somebody has to cross all those barriers and say, I've got ops teams doing customer stuff. I've got ops teams doing partner things. I've got sales stuff. I've got marketing stuff. But all these all these tech stacks and all these things have to integrate and come together. And you want a common set of analytics, which I'm not dismissing that this isn't a marketing analytics conversation, but but all that stuff has to come together. And I think that, um, you know, we we deal with companies right now where our lead is on the marketing ops side and they don't, they haven't yet moved to revenue ops. We're dealing with companies where we have go-to-market or revenue ops folks that work directly for the CEO or president of the company. So it's really becoming an elevated role, which is the go-to person. If every company in the world had a CRO, chief revenue officer, this position would be a no-brainer because it's, it, it is the quarterback of kind of bringing all those disparate things together that are all things revenue. Yeah, I think you could look at it as a scaling factor mm-hmm. or an alignment factor. Like, there's different reasons to do it. All of us, even, like, I'm also about a 100-person company. All of us have more tech than you can manage with one human anyway. <laughs> so, uh, for me, it's also I can borrow resources. I have somebody who naturally is more marketing ops-focused because that's their background. I have somebody who's naturally more sales ops-focused because that's their background. Um, but then I can also steal resources from the finance function to back them up on certain data tasks and otherwise, and I have other expertise. Um, I think you'll always in revenue ops end up having a little bit of specialization because of people's natural uh, background or inclination. Um, but, but for us, it was the opportunity to scale. I now don't just have uh, two, soon to be three people. I actually have two people with access to another 10. So for me, it's a real scaling factor, whereas if I isolate the budgets, because I also had a customer success ops person, and that I just couldn't survive without, which I will move into that group eventually, um, but I couldn't give her that role 100%. She had two jobs. And I, so for me, it's a scaling factor where I can offload some of the things that are very common to the other functions that have some great expertise, right? Somebody who's better at data manipulation, somebody who's better at data science, those things, they can offload those and maybe some strategy sits with the domain expert, but I can scale the data operations. I can have some consistency in it. So yeah. for, for me, the choice was scaling. The alignment just happens to also be a good outcome. So what we find from the best-in-class marketers that we've looked at over the years, and I think this has also been seen by some of the other organizations that are looking at this data, is that, back to the marketing ops function for a moment, is an expanding role mm-hmm. that is not just about technology um, in fact, or about campaign implementation or campaign me- management or campaign measurement, but the the marketing ops function in best in class is much more about is much about strategy mm-hmm. and customers and planning and all the things that go around that. As in fact, are maybe leading that effort, almost like the chief of staff to the CMO. Yep. And so that's a much bigger role than just. Uh, running a campaign or implementing technology, evaluating, it's implementing huge, technology. It's a rich data set. Like yeah. the data that you probably access is, is going to be a larger data set because you also have all the stuff that's not customers yet, that's not yep. yet in so, a, a mature cycle. So you have a way bigger pool. Yes, you know? exactly. I'm curious on, on that front too. You, I mm-hmm. mean, you're, you're the practitioner here. You're the one that has the day in, day out, all the feeds of the data. Mm-hmm. I guess 
what are what are some of the demands from a RevOps function that you're trying to answer? Like, what would be some of those questions that you're trying as you're diving through all that data to go figure out? Yeah, I would say the funnel analysis is still the priority for the revenue ops. Yeah. So for revenue ops, from the name you can tell, it is a cross-functional team and it is very revenue focused. And when you talk about other teams, you want to make sure the numbers you talk about, everyone understand and everyone cares. So for example, in our case, when we hold our revenue ops committee meeting, we no longer talk about website conversion rate, email click rate, or campaign responses because no one cares about those. We actually went above MQLs. We talk about a company-wide pipeline degradation model. We build a pipeline bridge model. We try to understand on average what percentage of pipeline will be generated in quarter what percentage of pipeline will be pushed out of quarter and what percentage will be close one close lost so you can see all those are very basic metrics it's kind of like oh i want to go to a grocery store are you going to drive your daily car honda civic are you going to you really need to go to the porsche dealer to get a luxury car yeah, right. so if the basic model can solve your problem then you just go with basic you can save your energy to do something else yeah. And in our case, because we have ABM program in place, we build, we understand our funnel first, and then we have our targeted account funnel and a non-targeted account funnel. And based on the budget we got, we adjust the percentage. We try to have a hybrid model. So based on our budget, we can say, okay, if we adjust the percentage, how we can deliver our revenue goal. So that's our practice, how we use this revenue ops function. So my comment to that is, how many of you are starting to see inside your organizations or those around you functions like chief growth, chief growth officer? Anybody seeing that in their, in their uh, businesses? Raise your hands just so we can see. Okay. We're seeing a lot of that. How about chief customer officer? Anybody seeing those? Okay. So we're seeing that happening in a lot of our customers as well. And those used to be things that were inside marketing. CMOs actually were responsible for those kinds of functions. And uh, chief, uh, they were responsible for bringing products to market and identifying products that should be brought to market, right? All those things. The more we just make marketing about the funnel, right? The more we narrow that focus around the funnel, the more those other functions are going to be taken from us yeah. and put other places. So my, my only caution to you, right, and... You know, I've been at this for almost 40 years, so I've seen, gone kind of full circle. My only caution to anyone that is in that that view is that that means if you're not looking beyond that view, Mm -hmm. somebody else in the organization will be given the opportunity to take that piece of of the pie. And understanding where growth is going to come from, it's the number one thing the CEO is thinking about every single day. Where is growth coming from? Understanding which customers are loyal, which customers create value, which customers are at risk is the number one, number two thing they're thinking about, right? Those things are the things they're thinking about. If we're not talking about those in marketing, then we're not in the conversation of the top two things they care about. We can make revenue numbers, but we can end up out of business. And actually, we've had some customers who've made revenue numbers and they make their targets, but don't stay in business. So I just want you to think about that. While revenue is really important, there's many other things, right, that are also need to be incorporated into what we're looking at and managing if if we're going to be a whole discipline. Mm -hmm. 
That's just a point of view. No, no, you're right. And the the the, the dumb thing about that is they're just going to replicate the data set you already have More to be able to do the analysis that they're being asked to do, right? So if you have um, the opportunity to show or flex that muscle and demonstrate that you can actually glean some of that insight um, in the out of the stuff you're already using to do a lot of the analysis that, that Yoon is talking about, um, that starts uh, helping the them see and changes the conversation into why you should be leading some of those those growth things. And certainly at some of the um, kind of most talented CMOs I know, f- for sure, are the ones being asked to run strategy initiatives, are being asked to do that kind of stuff. And, and most of them have built uh, really strong partnerships with ops, or they've found that ops person that they take to every company with them, or they they've they've recognized that 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 like again, you're back to the old adage that data is power, and um, if you can use it to communicate uh, insight, that that puts you ahead uh, of everyone, and and you are sitting on this massive treasure trove exactly. if you can unlock it. So you have the family jewels. You really do. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, well, so that's always how I felt about customer and customer data. And yeah, again, I, I come up through CS, so that's a bias, but. I do think there's so many answers in there that are probably being ignored. There, there are many threads. Yeah. And I love this conversation. I want to open it up to the audience. We have 10 minutes. Does anyone have any questions you'd like to address the panel? Or challenges maybe yeah. that you're facing? I can laugh. Oh, good. Yeah, so, so if you look across your marketing channels, what percentage of the data would you to hear from our yeah, data scientists. I, I, I talk about this all the time. I think I had this conversation last night. I'm happy to answer after you. Yeah. So it really depends on how you're going to leverage your data. If for revenue ops, I would say normally the revenue ops will do the revenue planning. Planning is very directional. So you want to stay high level. Yeah. And you want to just point in a direction for each team. Here is the direction we're going to head into. Normally for those purposes, you don't need a very granular data. However, for your department internal optimization, you probably want to look into granular data. For, for your case, the survey data, right? For the survey data, you probably want to just stay into your own system and you have a summarized and a high level kind of like a aggregated result you can share with other team. That's kind of my recommendation. Yeah, I, I mean, I, would, I couldn't agree more and I'm happy to talk about that case specifically because I, I, I deal with it a lot. Uh, events are under intense amount of budget pressure right now. I, I don't think I have a customer who's not being challenged on their event spend. Um, 
but I, to, to sort of just add on to what you said, uh, one is like, is um, if you're not going to use it to do anything or to make a decision, it does not belong there. So putting into the CRM, there's no one who uses the CRM as their primary tool that's going to change their behavior because that data exists or doesn't. So that to me is a good like quick litmus test. Is anybody who uses who's in that system going to use that data? Um, but I the struggle is real. I understand it uh, from there. But I do believe in to to support a decision or a strategy, you do have to stay at a high level. It does have to be about intent. What did I spend this money or do this action to try and, and get out of it? And if you go too granular, you're actually probably diminishing your ability to make a good decision because it's way, way, way too low. So, um, but it's it's there's no one answer. It's not yeah. that easy. Your organization has to deal with what they're using it for. Yeah, another thing is uh, from the practical practical perspective, you could just use your database. For example, if you have a SQL database mm -hmm. in-house, you can just flow in whatever, all the yeah. system data into that place to store your data. You don't need to go through the CRM system and yeah. then go to the, uh, the, the database. So yeah, that could be also a solution. And that's where I was kind of going to go. Yeah. You don't want to lose that data because it's valuable information. And as you, if when you get down the path of maybe building models, that data could become very, very important. So you don't want to lose it. It just may not need to be put in the system that the sales organization is using, mm -hmm. but it needs to be in the in the database somewhere that's going to help make decisions and help build models, whatever that model might be, you might need that data for. Mm -hmm. Right. A any other questions out there? No? No, they've got it all figured out. All good. <laughs> this panel was a complete waste of time. Nobody does Marie Kondo date with the data? This doesn't <laughs> no? 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 Okay. All right. Well, uh, I guess we can conclude. Uh, just a, a quick uh, reminder, please review the session on the app. Um, yes. And... Uh, if we didn't answer a question because you're 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 you're, you're not shy. shy, you know, send that ping to whomever you would like to have the question. I'm sure one of all you know whoever you send it to would be happy to answer your question, right? So in yeah, case you're, in case you're feeling shy. Yeah. Once again, thanks for this diverse uh, it's panel. It's our pleasure. You've been listening to the Flip My Funnel podcast. To make sure that you never miss an episode, subscribe to the show in your favorite podcast player. If you have an iPhone, we'd love for you to open the Apple Podcasts app and leave a review. Thank you so much for listening. Until next time.